Um, good morning, church. My name is Sung Woo, and it's my privilege and honor to be able to share the Word of God with you guys this morning. Today's passage comes from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what will be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Amen. Amen. Um, now, we have been in the book of Hebrews, and this is week three. The first week, Pastor James talked about the supremacy of Jesus, that Jesus is better than everything. And last week, Pastor James talked about the warning to pay attention, to anchor ourselves to Jesus so we don't drift away. This week, we're going to be talking about entering into God's rest through Jesus. And we will be going through three main points on how to enter into that rest. Firstly, we enter into the rest by having a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Next, by believing and trusting in God. And lastly, by being a part of community in faith. That's the outline, so let's dive straight into it. Firstly, we enter into God's rest by having a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Now, there should be a photo. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I think a lot of guys do know this guy. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. MJ. He's Ernest. I'm pretty excited right now, yeah. <laughs> the single greatest basketball player to ever play the game of basketball. <laughs> the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And I don't care if LeBron broke the record recently. The GOAT, Michael Jordan, right? So I think a lot of you guys, if not every one of you guys know who this guy is, right? Either through his feats on the basketball court or through his brand, the Jordan brand, right? Now, the next photo. Yes! We missed you, Pastor Steve. Um, everyone should know who this is, right? No? <laughs> our own Pastor Steve. He's our senior pastor. He's currently on sabbatical. And I think he's actually flying out tomorrow to go to Europe with his um, parents to see his sister. So, um, yeah, let's pray that he'll have a beautiful time there and safe passages as well. So, Pastor Steve, the father of five, and his husband to our... Um, Pastor Mel, and he's the lover of Maccas, he's the lover of hurricane ribs, and unfortunately, he's the lover of the doggies. He's also a social media influencer. 
<laughs> well, out of all the people that I know anyway, he has the most followings. So to me, he's a social media influencer. Right? Now take MJ, Michael Jordan, the GOAT, and Steve's fame, popularity, and the way that people look up to them right, and respect them. And you multiply that by like a 1,000, 10,000, just a big, big number. And that is how the Hebrews, who were the recipients of the letter of Hebrews, thought of Moses, right? Moses. To the Hebrews, you see, Moses was the ultimate Hebrew. He was the man. He was the man who God used to save his people from slavery out of Egypt. He did the miracles of the ten plagues, you know, splitting of the Red Sea, making water come out of rocks. And he was the only man who God had spoken directly to. You know, not through dreams, not through, you know, different things, but he was spoken directly to God. And he was also the man that God gave his laws to, right? And all the sacrificial um, rituals to atone for the sins of the Israelites. And he was the mediator between God and the Israelites. He was supposed to lead the people to the promised land, a land of rest for God's people. So I repeat, to the Hebrews, Moses was the man. He was their Michael Jordan, right? But the author of Hebrews clearly states that Jesus is better than Moses. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what will be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. In these verses, it's clearly seen that although Moses was considered the guy in all of God's house, he was still a servant. Yeah? Whereas Jesus, he is called the Son over God's house. So servant and son, in God's house, over God's house. A very clear distinction of who was better. Although, yes, God used Moses to save the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, and Moses led the Israelites in the wilderness, Jesus saved his people from the slavery of sin and death. And Jesus leads his followers to the true rest in God. Now, why was the author comparing Jesus with Moses in his letter to the Hebrews? Because like in the previous chapter where there were some Christians who were turning back to their old ways, turning back to the angels, some Christians were turning back to Moses and back to the laws and the traditions and the rituals that Moses had given them through, um, God had given them through Moses. They were trying to enter into God's rest through animal sacrifices and keeping of the law. But laws given to Moses could not lead the people into God's rest. They could not lead the people into salvation. For no one could keep all the laws. By showing the clear distinction in greatness between Moses, the ultimate Hebrew, but still a servant in God's house, and Jesus, who was the Son over God's house. The author of Hebrews is showing that Jesus is the ultimate prophet and our ultimate high priest, and is only through him, 
and Him alone, and not animal sacrifices or keeping of laws, that we can enter into God's rest. God talk. <laughs> Moses was the man to the Hebrews, but the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is God. You see, it says here in verse 5, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what will be spoken by God in the future. Moses was bearing witness to Jesus, the Messiah. The promises made by God through Moses, the laws given to the Israelites through Moses, the sacrifices and atonement of sins, they were all pointing to what was to come. They were all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect, sinless life. He kept all the laws and he sacrificed himself to atone for our sins. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Moses was a prophet. He was a very important prophet. But Jesus is the prophet. Moses was a high priest who acted as a mediator between God and the Israelites, but Jesus is the high priest. He is the mediator who is our bridge and gateway, who has given us direct access to God our Father. We no longer need someone like Moses to pray for us, to sacrifice animals for our sins, because through Jesus we have direct access access to God himself. And through the finished work of Christ, God is inviting us to have a personal relationship with him. He doesn't just want us to follow his laws and be religious and play church. God is inviting us to have a personal relationship with him. He wants us. He wants you to have a personal relationship with God. And by having a personal relationship with God through Jesus, we can find true rest. And the question is, how do we have a personal relationship with God? How do we have a personal relationship with anyone? And it begins with conversation. I've been married for nearly seven years. Um, one thing I have realized is that if Jenny and I are not in constant conversation with each other, then we are not growing in our personal relationship. Right? Anyone who is in a relationship, is married, they will probably understand that. And conversation consists of two parts, speaking and listening. So in the same way, we need to speak to God. We need to have a conversation with God. And unlike in the times of Moses, as I've said before, we, didn't need, we don't need Moses to speak on our behalf. We don't need anyone to speak on our behalf because Jesus is better. And because of finished work of the Christ on the cross, we can speak directly to God. When we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, we believe that God our Father hears our prayers. So to grow in our personal relationship with God, we must pray to Him. Not just prayers before we eat or before we sleep. We must pray to Him constantly. Have a conversation with Him constantly, every single day. And the second part of a conversation is to listen. 
Now, as I mentioned, I've been married for nearly seven years. And one thing I have learned about myself is I'm not a great listener. I can talk a lot, where a lot of people can attest to that, but I wasn't a good listener. Okay. I could hear her voice, but I'm not really listening, right? How can my relationship with my wife grow if, if I only talked about what I wanted to talk about, right? Only talked about me, 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 me. And I do like talking about myself. But I learned that you need to listen. This is exactly the same with our Father. We cannot just speak to God about what we want, what we need. Help me with this. Help me with that. We need to stop and listen to God. We must hear His voice first. And we must listen to His voice. How do we do that? How can we hear God's voice? How can we hear God's words? By reading the Word. By reading the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the living Word of God. Verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice. So as the Holy Spirit says. The author of Hebrews is quoting from Psalm 95 here. And that was a psalm written by King David. But before going into the quote, the author of Hebrews doesn't say it's David said. He specifically says, the Holy Spirit says. And this is specifically pointing out that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is the living Word of God. So to get to, back to our point of listening to God, when we read the Bible, it is the same as listening to the living, breathing Word of God. And it's not just alive, but it's active as well. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, one of the most amazing things on our trip to Cambodia, and there's going to be a lot of references to our trip. I'm sorry. It's either that or New York Knicks, and you know, I, I thought it would be better to stick with Cambodia. Um, one of the most amazing things about our trip to Cambodia Right? And every single one of us, all seven of us will probably say this, was the morning devotion time. Okay? We will wake up really early, sometime as early as 4 a.m. Okay? To get up and to dive into the Word of God. We were in the book of Philippians, and we weren't reading massive chunks of the, of the Bible. We were just reading a couple of verses. But the amazing thing was, every single one of us read the exact same words. But the incredible thing is, those exact same words were alive and it ministered to each of us differently, right? It ministered to us personally. And at the end of the day, during our debrief, when we got to go over what we saw, you know, what we felt, things like that, it was amazing, like, me and Brother Tan and Myung. Great to see you, Myung. <laughs> um, yeah. So when we, we would just look at each other during the day. Like, didn't we just read this in the Bible this morning? Right? 
We just be like, oh my goodness. See, the Word of God was active throughout the day. We got to see it play out. His words played out on the mission field through different people and through each of us. By diving into the Word and by listening to God's voice, we grew closer and deeper in relationship with Him. But unfortunately, not everything God was saying to me, I completely liked. You see, the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And it cut me up pretty good. It cut through all my facade and barriers of pretending to be a selfless and humble Christian. It cut me up so good that I was completely left naked and bare before the eyes of our Father. It revealed the true nature of my heart. It showed me who I really was, a sinner. The reason why I say this is because once we got back from our missions trips, we had our final debrief. And one of the questions that Pastor Mel asked was, what have you learned about yourself? And this is exactly what I wrote. I'll read it up. I am impatient and strong-headed. I want to have control and do not like it when things don't go the way I want it to. I am selfish and arrogant. I think very highly about myself. I am spoilt and expect things I do not deserve. In other words, I am a lot more sinful than I had thought. Wow. This is after, not before our mission trip, but after our mission trip. After two weeks of completely focusing on God and His mission for us, praying continuously and being completely immersed in His Word, two weeks of deep, deep relationship with God. This is what I learned about myself. That I am a damn sinner. Much more sinful than I had originally thought. But I did not feel damned. I did not feel disheartened or burdened. I felt true rest. True rest in God. Why? Because the more I realized how sinful I was, the more I felt the amazing grace of God. Through prayers and His Word, God showed me that it really is not about what I do or who I am. It was okay. I was such a broken person. The burden was lifted from me. Because it was only through the finished work of Christ that I can reach salvation, that I can have salvation, the grace of God. The Word revealed to me the grace of God. And this gave me true rest. The more I realized the magnitude of my sin, the more I understood the magnitude of the sacrifice of my Lord and Savior, the ultimate prophet and the ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ. By being in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we can have true rest. So first of all, we need to talk to God. We need to listen to God to have true rest. But sometimes, even when we hear His voice, we do not always listen. Just like before when I was explaining about my relationship with my wife, I could hear His words, 
her words, sorry. I could hear her words, but I wasn't listening. We may hear God's voice by being in a relationship with God, but we do not always listen and believe and obey God. So the second point of how to enter into God's rest is to not harden our hearts when we hear His voice, but believe and trust in God. Verses 7 to 9. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did. As I mentioned before, the author of Hebrews is quoting from Psalm 95. And he's talking about the Israelites um, of the Exodus generation, the very same people that Moses led out of Egypt. And he's talking about how they turned away from God. They hardened their hearts. Now this is the second warning in the book of Hebrews. And it is a warning against unbelief. Because unbelief will stop you from entering into God's rest. Unbelief comes with the hardening of our hearts. The Israelites, they heard the voice of God. How could they not? Think of what they witnessed. But when they were faced with adversity and and trouble, they chose to not believe in His words. Even though their very eyeballs had witnessed the miracle of the ten plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea, food literally dropping out of the sky, all these amazing feats of our almighty God. When things became difficult, when they were confronted with adversity, they did not believe in God and hardened their hearts. They complained and grumbled and cried that it was actually better to be back in Egypt as slaves. And when Moses was gone for a little bit, They even met an idol, a golden cow, and they worshipped it, saying, this is what took us out of slavery. This is what saved us. They claimed to believe in God, but there was no trust in God. How is that real belief? It's not. Because with true belief comes trust. The Israelites did not believe because when things got tough, they turned their hearts away from God. And this is what God said. Verses 10 to 11. This, that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. How scary are these verses? Because the hearts of the Exodus generation had hardened and they had turned away from God. God claimed that they would never enter into the rest that God had prepared for them. And it was because of their unbelief. Verse 19, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And this is a clear warning to us as well. See, They didn't believe God when they faced adversity. They reverted back to things of this world. They did not have perseverance in their faith. And we need to have perseverance in our faith in God. Verse 6, But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are His house if, 
Indeed, we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. You see, the perseverance of faith shows our belief. It is the sign that we trust in God, that we have faith in Him. And in verse 6, it says to hold firmly. Not lightly, but just hold it firmly. We have to hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. We must hold firmly because it's so easy to let go. It's so easy to turn away from God. When adversity comes our way, when there is trouble, when there are obstacles and difficulties in our lives, and there will be difficulties in our lives, 100% guarantee there will be difficulties living this world as a Christian. We will find adversity. We will have challenges. So we must hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. And what is our confidence? What is our hope? It cannot be the things of this world, guys. Like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt to be slaves because Egypt back then was the power nation in the world. Or like the, Egypt, uh, like the Israelites making their own God in the form of a golden cow when things became difficult. We cannot turn to our finances, our jobs, our material things, even to our family and friends. For every single one of those things will eventually let you down. The only thing and the only one who will never let us down, the only one who we can put our confidence and hope is in, is Jesus Christ. Let us put our confidence in Him and put our hope in the finished work of Christ. When we believe in God and we trust in Him and we believe in Jesus, then we can enter into His rest. And this rest we are talking about is, yes, it is the eternal rest with God, but it's also rest during our lives here on this world. You see, it says, today, if you hear His voice, today, when we believe and put our trust in God today, He will give us rest in Him. He will give us true rest. An example of this is when I was in the detention center in China. I shared my testimony with you guys. And on that 30th day, when no one came to let me out, I told you guys that I wasn't angry and I wasn't upset, but I just calmly sat down on my little stool and started reading the Bible again. Now, I had an opportunity to share this, um, my testimony with a local church in Cambodia. But when I got to this part, for some reason, I actually broke down and started crying in front of everyone. <laughs> Pretty embarrassing. And the team was like, what is he doing? Why is he crying? And they saw me cry, and then they cry, and I see them cry, and I'm crying more. I had shared this testimony so many times, and I had never broken down before. Never. And I actually couldn't figure out why I had broken down that day. And um, they asked me, why did you cry? And then, I don't know, the Holy Spirit? I don't know, right? But while I was preparing this sermon, he actually came to me. You see, when I was reflecting on that day, the, more, the moment when no one came to let me out, I should have been absolutely devastated. I should have been shattered. But truly, I was not. I really did just sit back down and started reading the Word again. 
And why did I cry thinking about this? It's because I realized that in that moment, in that joust, joust hell, on that little stool, thousands of miles away from home, I was in God's rest. For when I heard his voice, I didn't harden my heart. Even though the situation was dire, even the situation was definitely not good, I believed his word. I completely trusted in him. In that moment, I didn't feel hopeless, but full of hope in him. I didn't have confidence or hope in anything or anyone. Because to be honest, I didn't have a chance to do that. Who was I going to put my um, hope in? No one but God. I was firmly holding on to Him and believing Him that He is good, that He is my Father, and that He loves me. Through belief and trust, there was true rest in God. It was a beautiful moment. And team, I finally figured out why I cried that day. But as most of you guys know, unfortunately, I hardened my heart again when I came out of jail and came back to Sydney. How easily we forget and revert back to our old ways. Just as same as the Hebrews reverting back to Moses, back to the angels, back to the laws, it's so easy to go back to what we used to believe in. And this is the reason why the last point on how to enter into God's rest is we need to be a part of community in faith. Verse 12, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. This verse is warning us about how easy it is for us to have an unbelieving heart and to turn away from God. Have you ever had a stretch, could be a couple of days, weeks, months, where you are in deep and intimate relationship with God, where your prayer life is amazing, you're deep in His Word and there is complete trust in Him with everything, and then something happens. It can be small, it can be big, but it breaks you. And you are once again drifting away from God, intentionally or unintentionally. Why does this happen? And as Pastor James said last week, if we do not anchor our souls, anchor ourselves to Jesus, we will naturally drift away from God. It is because we are sinners. We are naturally sinners. We will fall and turn away and have unbelief. Even the most mature Christians will have these moments. This is why we need to be a part of a community in faith. Verse 13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love this verse. We need brothers and sisters in Christ around us. We need to be a part of a community of faith because on our own, we will drift away. On our own, we will turn away from God because of the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is so deceptive. When things are, do, you know, when things, everything's great in your life, we don't need God. We don't feel like, oh, I'm doing well on my own. I'm my own master. I'm my own God. 
and we turn away from God. But when things are bad as well, what do we do? We grumble and complain. We have a resentful heart towards God. I've served that church. I'm, I'm tithing. I'm being a good citizen. How can you let this happen to me? Both these scenarios lead to a hardening of our hearts, which leads to unbelief, which in turn stops us from entering into God's rest. So the author of Hebrews is urging the believers to encourage one another daily. Daily. Not once a week on Sunday. Daily. And for how long? As long as it is called today. Every morning I wake up, I don't say, hey, it's tomorrow. Every morning I wake up, it is today. We have to encourage each other daily, every single day of our lives. And how do we do this? How can we encourage each other? We need to have a personal relationship with God. Trust and believe in God together as a community. We need to pray together. We need to read the Word together. And in any situations, we need to encourage each other to believe and trust in God. Then we will have true rest. Now, one thing that the missions team actually started doing once we got back, we started to read the Word together. We started up a little chat, right? And, you know, we're in the book of Matthew. Just a couple of verses. We've been doing this like four weeks. We're only in Matthew 7. Just, just a couple of verses, but it is amazing. People would share the verse that, you know, popped out to them, talk about how it was ministering in their lives. And because we were doing it together, by reading that, we were encouraging each other. There are times when I've had a hectic day and I go back and Brother Tan's reading something, I'm like, oh. Mel's reading something, I'm like, oh. You know? doesn't matter who, but it's encouraging us. Because it's very easy to not read the Word when you're alone. Or you just read it, and you just read it actually as words, not the Word of God. We read each other's verses on the chat and it really does help us out during the day. We are in God's rest together. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As this verse states, we have to share everything in Christ together and this is how we persevere through the struggles of life and hold firmly onto our original conviction to the very end. Perseverance in faith, our confidence in Christ. This journey was not meant to be done alone. This journey of faith is not meant to be done alone. We will fall when we are alone. We will turn away from God when we are alone. To have true rest in God, to enter into God's rest, we need to walk in faith with a group of brothers and sisters in Christ together. This is why we encourage people to come to the prayer nights. 
to come together to have a conversations with our Father as a community. This is why we encourage people to serve in ministries in the church, to experience the joy of serving God together as a community. This is why we encourage people to join a life group because life group isn't just meeting once a week and going through the Bible. Life group is supposed to be a group of people doing life together. Through the ups and downs of life, of living in this world, to encourage each other daily. So friends, as we share everything in Christ together, we can persevere in faith and hold on to our original conviction firmly to the end. Our conviction that although we were sinners, God loved us so much that He sent our ultimate high priest, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for our sins. And after three days, He was resurrected and now sits at the right hand of God. And through Him, we have direct access to God our Father. And together as a community, we can believe and trust in God. Believe and trust in the finished work of Christ. And we will be able to enter into God's rest. And this is how I want to finish up. So for those who are not Christians here today, those who are online, and you don't quite know what this is all about, but you are here because someone's invited you or you're just tired and worn out and something has sparked your curiosity about the rest in God that is offered to those who believe. If that is you today, come and talk to any of the pastors, staff members, any of the leaders or even just your friend who invited you to church. We would love to walk with you. Answer any questions that you may have. Journey together with you. And now, Christian, are you tired enough yet? Are you not in deep relationship with God Do you find yourself hardening your heart even though you hear His voice? Have you put your confidence in something other than God? Your finances or job or anything of this world? And is that thing or someone you had confidence in has it let you down one too many times? Christian, be encouraged. Draw nearer to God in relationship through prayer and reading of His Word. And today, when you hear His voice, believe and trust that He is a good, good Father, that He is there for you always and that He loves you. And don't do it on your own. It's not meant to be done alone. Encourage and be encouraged in a community of faith. Do life together and have a relationship with God together. Put your trust in God.
and believe in Him. Put your trust in the finished work of Christ. And He will give you rest. Amen. Let's pray.